Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zivyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Good Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. 
You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really you're here to learn more about the authors and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Jennifer E. Smith is the author of the novel The Unsinkable Greta James, which actually I listened to on audiobook. Jennifer is the author of nine books for young adults, including The Statistical Probability of Love at First Sight and Hello, Goodbye, and Everything in Between, both of which have been adapted for film. She earned a master's degree in creative writing from the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, and her work has been translated into 33 languages. She currently lives in Los Angeles. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss both your new books, basically out at the same time, The Unsinkable Graded Greta, James, and The Creature of Habit. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, I like love this color, this like blue. I mean, it's almost the same. Did you it did does, you coordinate or not? I did not coordinate. It does have a sort of a happy, eastery, cheerful feel to it all. But they it's it's really nice to have the kind of bright, the bright, happy colors right now. It's so nice. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about Greta, who is so awesome. I listened to this book and I don't always listen, but I feel like sometimes I feel like the ones I listen to like stick in more in a way. And I remember like all the walks I, I went on to listen to. <laughs> book. And now I feel like I need to go stock up on Call of the Wild and you know all the books within the books. Tell listeners a little about what this book is about. Yeah, it's um it's the you know it's about a, a successful indie musician who is still reeling from the sudden death of her mother who was her greatest cheerleader and she winds up taking a week-long cruise to Alaska with her dad who has never exactly been supportive of her life choices on what was supposed to be her parents' 40th anniversary trip. So it takes place over this this week in Alaska. There's also a romance with a charmingly nerdy professor that she meets on board the ship, but it's mostly a love story about Greta and her music and and her kind of struggle to find her her voice again. So yeah. I love that. I feel like the universe is like pushing me towards Alaska for some reason. First, I had Lee's book, my partner Lee, yes, yes, who first, nobody gets no. out alive, which you know. And then there was one, oh, and then Mother Trucker came out about Alaska. And now your book on this Alaskan cruise. And then last night, my daughter wanted to watch Bigfoot's Family, which <laughs> takes place in Alaska. And I was like, okay. Who wants to go on an Alaskan cruise? Like, who's ready for Alaska? The signs are pointing me that way. I've never had more Alaska than this, like, month of my life. I think you know what you have to do. I think so. I think it's it's clear. Why did you set it in Alaska? I, you know, I, I, I knew it was going to take place on a cruise ship, which it's, it's become a little bit of a joke how many books I've set on modes of transportation. I've written books <laughs> that takes place on a plane, one that takes place, it's a road trip, one that's on a train and now a ship. But I really like putting people in, in confined places for, uh, you know, a, a, con- a certain amount of time and kind of seeing what happens. And I chose Alaska, honestly, because Greta is an indie rock star. She is somebody who's in cities, who's at venues, you know, who's who's playing shows and concerts and festivals. And I liked the idea if she was going to be, you know, basically stuck on a cruise with her dad, who who she doesn't particularly get along with. I, I liked the idea of her feeling kind of at sea, both both literally and metaphorically, and being in a place. Alaska is so unique. It's so it's staggering. It's beautiful. It's otherworldly. It's, it's really like kind of got a lonely forlorn feel to it. And I like the idea of just putting her in, in such a, a different kind of place than, than she usually is. And, 
you know, I didn't write the book just so I could go take a cruise to Alaska, (laughs) but I didn't not write the book so I could do that. But I had been on Alaskan cruise as a kid. And I, I, when I first started writing, it loomed really large in my mind because Alaska is so beautiful and so unique. And I thought I could kind of get by on memories of the cruise and looking at like literally YouTube videos of other people's family vacations and realized pretty quickly that I, if I wanted to write this well, I was going to have to to go actually, you know, take this, this trip again. And so I, I did kind of a writing retreat on an Alaskan cruise and I, it, you know, I've learned in the course of publishing this book that people have very strong feelings about cruises either way. And I, you know, for me, it was just really interesting to be kind of a fly on the wall. Like I did all of the excursions and trips and adventures that Greta and her, her family and friends do. I did the whale watching and the wilderness safari and the the hikes of the glaciers. (laughs) But I also was like, wanted to make sure I was at the buffet and I did trivia night with, with real random people that I met. And I I tried to really have, you know, the whole cruise experience so that I could write about it. So it was, it was definitely a very interesting research trip. Wow. I love it. I love like the little old lady character who like sees her walking out that morning and like, oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Always has some commentary for for Greta. She's her favorite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's so funny. The way you wrote about loss was so good, so moving. Greta is, is in the raw aftermath, right? They're still reeling, as is the dead. And those scenes were also really beautiful where he like, you know, comes to terms with that loss. But the way she writes about sort of, you know, just like you said, being adrift without the person who sort of holds you safe and like her life raft in a way is gone. Tell me about writing those scenes because it felt like there was just so much emotion on the page. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's when I sat down to write the book, it really, I wanted to write about what it is to live a creative life and to, you know, I'm lucky. My parents are wonderful, but I am, I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in a very practical place and in a very practical family and being a writer is not, you know, something that was, was kind of in the plan. And, you know, so over the years, watching my parents try to kind of struggle to come to terms with this, this kind of job that has no guarantees and no certainty and no safety net. It's it's just, it's a weird job. Like on the one hand, you have to be full of confidence and determination. And on the other hand, like you're working without a net always. And I, so I wanted to put Greta and her dad, like two people who really came from different, different, you know, angles on this together. And, and so what started out, it started out as, as more of a conceit than anything was I thought, you know, how do you get these two people alone together who have basically lost their translator in, in losing her mom. But as I wrote the book, you know, it, it was interesting, like the mom has already passed away at the start of the story, but she really is a, a kind of full character in the book, even though she's, she's kind of not present on the page. And yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's hard to write because it is, there's a lot of raw grief and there's a lot of emotion and a lot of feelings. And I, I think that in turns, people get frustrated with Greta and they get frustrated with her dad. And then they kind of see both of their sides and they, there's just a lot that they're kind of working out over the course of this week. And, you know, about, you know, halfway through the process of this book, right when I kind of finished the very first draft of it, my mentor, who the book is dedicated to, who's a, who is a really legendary um, editor in the book world, Susan Camel, passed away. And that, you know, kind of put everything into a different perspective for me when I was writing it, because she was, she was my old boss. She was my friend. She was my mentor. And I channeled a lot of that. I mean, she was always the person I was kind of writing the book for in a way she would, she encouraged me for years to write my first adult novel. And, you know, she passed away like two weeks after I finished the first draft and and never had a chance to show it to her. And she knew I was working on it. And so 
that, that I think, you know, when you talk about the kind of like depth of emotion, I think a lot of that got channeled into the book. So, you know, in a way it, it still was for her and it still is, is so much about her, but that's, that's where a lot of that came from. Oh, I'm so sorry. I heard about it. I didn't know her obviously, but when I heard about her loss, I was just like, oh my gosh, I bet a lot of people I know are like, a lot. Really yeah, today or really yeah. must've really known her well. And anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but it really, it really comes through. There was just one passage I wanted to read. Oh, well, that was also good, but it's towards the end. Oh, I loved this line. So she's with Conrad. Ask, I'll just read this. Conrad asks her only once if she ever. Well, I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> well, she's well. Okay. There's just this one line at some point in the book, and she says, "Maybe the point isn't always to make things last. Maybe it's just to make them count." Yeah. I'd love yeah. that. Oh, I'm so glad. I think, I mean, I, I often write about kind of fleeting moments, you know, my, my, I, if there's a thread that goes through all of my books, maybe except for the picture book, it's that I like to write about moments in time that act as hinges days where there's like a clear split between a before and an after. So yesterday your life was one way and tomorrow will be completely different. And, and I'm a big believer that like, yeah, things can count. Even, you know, meeting somebody for one day can kind of send your life into a different direction and, and brief encounters, you, you, you know, we all are sort of pinballing off each other in different ways. And, and that, you know, even, even things that don't last can really count and can really have a lasting impact on you. And, and it's partly why I like writing about these kind of, you know, moments that are really bracketed by time, but I'm glad that's, that's one of my favorite lines too. Really good. Yeah, there's a wisdom to it. There's a sadness and a wisdom, but then resilience. Like you really feel like you're going through it, you're getting through it. Because sometimes what else can you do? You just yeah. have to go through and get through it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is this going to be a movie or a show or anything? It feels very cinematic to me. <laughs> I hope so. A lot of people have said, told me it feels very cinematic. We're, we're still working on that. You know, I've learned my, two of my young adult novels are going to be movies. Uh, one's coming out on Netflix this summer and, and one, one will, uh, we'll hopefully have more news on, on soon, but I've learned a lot through that process and it's, you know, one of the the two that that has been filmed, the statistical probability of love at first sight, it started filming ten years to the week that the book first got optioned. So I've learned patience and the long game on this, and and I but I do hope at some point to get to see see Greta on screen. Are you excited for the summer? That must feel amazing. I'm really excited. It's I feel very fortunate because. Both these movies filmed back to back during COVID, and it's now you know just I've seen so, so many different cuts and so and so many you know different versions of them, and I love them so much. I think they're both so fantastic. And the first one, Hello Goodbye, and everything between. We don't, I don't, I don't have, I can't share a date yet, but it'll be out pretty soon. And it's just it's such a wild experience as an author, especially an author who's been writing for a really long time. You don't expect this, and you know, it, it just, it's, it's such the icing on the cake, but to, to really love the way these stories were made and, and all the people involved with them and, and to feel really proud of them is, is such an exciting thing. So I think it'll be, it'll be a really fun summer. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I will be out in LA a bunch. So good. Good. I'm well, going to we'll, be doing we'll, any we'll big fun parties. For sure. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. <laughs> Wait, go back to how did you start writing? I know you were an editor. So tell me about how that even began. I mean, I was always writing in the way that I think a lot of us were always always writing. But I worked in publishing for many years. I was always, you know, to to kind of go back to Greta and her dad, I was always very pragmatic about it all and never expected, you know, that I could make a living doing it. But I wanted to be involved in books. And so I started out at a literary agency right out of college at ICM. And then I went back to grad school for a year for creative writing in Scotland. And then I came back and started working at Random House. And I was getting up in the mornings and writing my books and working on the weekends. And, you know, my like enduring memories of my twenties are all my friends like hung over on the couch watching movies and me in my room, like trying, (laughs) trying to write a book. And I always think back, you know, again, kind of in terms of Greta and how hard these, these careers can be. And is it, I wrote two books before my first one ever got published. And then even the first, the first two books that got published sold about two copies each. (laughs) I'm always very grateful when when people tell me they've read them because it's really like, you're one of, you're one of a few. And, but I like, when I look back now and think how easily it would have been, you know, especially with those first two that didn't get published, like I sat down and wrote a whole novel from like, you know, hundreds of pages and then with no encouragement and in fact, with a lot of discouragement because I was getting tons of rejections to kind of sit down and do it a second time and then to do that a third time with no guarantees, with no, you know, reasonable hopes about it. But that that's what it is, right? It's it's you just kind of keep trying and there's something that compels you to do it. And it's 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 comes from a place of passion. So I always kind of look back at my younger self now and feel really grateful that I did that. And then I also just, I think when you've, uh, you know, this is Greta is my 11th published book and my 10th novel. And when I, I think sometimes when you look at a career, it can seem like a really straight line from like, you know, point A to point B, but I, you know, I look at it as all, there's like, you know, some of, some of these books have been stepping stones to the next thing. Some of these, you know, I've had books that haven't sold in between ones that have, I've had tons of books I've set aside. I've had books that I thought were going to be a huge hit and that, you know, and that weren't and books that nobody expected anything of that, you know, went on to, to, you know, just via word of mouth do, do so well. And it's just kind of everything in between. So I think, what I always try to remember having been doing this for a while is like, all you can do is control what you can control, which is the writing and the book and the work. And then, you know, 
just the, the industry will do what it'll do and the market will do what it'll do. But as long as you kind of keep focusing on telling good stories and, and writing well and, and staying kind of true to yourself, that to me is, is just always the kind of thing to keep in mind. I love that. Amazing. Okay. The creature of habit. So where did this come from? And it is so cute and just so adorable. Anyway, and great. My daughter particularly loved this book and has requested many reads. So Oh, I'm so glad. That's so fun. It has been such a joy to do a picture book. I mean, my joke has been that, I mean, I love, I feel really privileged to have written YA for all these years, but after a decade of talking to teens, it's so much fun to talk to like six and seven and eight year olds um, about this book. And, you know, when it's time for questions, they're like, do you like turtles? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I do like turtles. <laughs> um, it's a whole different <laughs> different kind of thing. But this book came, I, you know, I have two little nephews who I'm very close with. And the older one, similar to me, is just a really routine oriented, doesn't like change, you know, likes to know what's going on kind of kid. And, and a few years ago, he was switching classrooms at, at daycare. So sorry, my, dog, my dog's coughing. I have a very old dog with bronchitis. So he's not ideal for podcasts, but he was, he switched classrooms and my sister called me and she was like, I don't know what to do. Like every day I'm dropping him off and he's crying. And he's usually a kid who loves going school. And, and I said, you know, it's, it's not his fault. The poor kid comes from a long line of creatures of habit. And I just started thinking about you know, the phrase and also just how change is hard for people at any age. Change is hard for adults, for kids. And if you're a certain kind of person, uncertainty can feel really scary. And so I just, I wanted to write a book that that showed that like, you know, it's not a book saying like, if you're a creature of habit, you should all of a sudden become, you know, somebody who, who you know, does something different every day. Cause that's just not in your DNA probably, but to show that like, sometimes you know, taking a different path or or stepping outside your comfort zone can can actually lead to to different things and new things. I should say the book is about it's about a a creature who lives on the island of habit who does the same thing every day at the same time, and then one day another little creature sails up and just knocks his whole world off balance and and so it's it's just about him kind of yeah like seeing seeing that there's another way to do things and and recalibrating <laughs> exactly exactly which we all have to do and it was so interesting because I wrote it before the pandemic, but then, you know, over the last few years, like how many times have we all had to, to shift gears and change and, and kids especially. So it's been, it's unfortunately become more relevant and timely, but it's been really kind of a wonderful thing to get to talk to kids about, about this book. I should have had my kids here to talk to you about it. <laughs> Next no, time. They would have loved it. So I'll show them this little clip. They'll be excited. Yes. <laughs> and what are you working on now? Well, I just, um, I just turned in the sequel for The Creature of Habit, um, which oh. is <laughs> The Creature of Habit Tries His Best. Um, and, and I'm working on another another adult book, another novel. So that's kind of the next big thing. And then I've been working on a couple of scripts, adaptations of other of my YA books. So it's been fun to, to kind of, you know, for a long time, I, I would write a YA book every year and you know, finish, finish the, you go in the cycle of like, you write it and then you finish it and you take a little break and then you start a new one. And over the last few years, similar to The Creature of Habit, I've kind of shaken things up a little bit and, and been doing, you know, the adult book and the picture book and the scripts. And it's been really fun to, to try new things. So that was that was not supposed to be a plug for Creature of Habit. That's actually just what's happened over the last couple of years. But, can plug. but this is a show for plugging things. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. That's, yeah. that's allowed here. <laughs> trying new things. It actually, it actually works sometimes. I like always having lots of different things going on in different ways. I feel like I can't, you know... I wish I could, but I, I, I feel like I, I need like lots of stuff where I get restless or something. 
Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good thing to kind of have a lot of a lot of pots on the on the on the burners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't like cooking a lot of things at the same time. Same. So aside from that, <laughs> I meant like intellectually, not yes, exactly. No, no, that's like a total totally fair. No. I have like no, uh, I'm not blessed. I'm like I can follow a recipe because I'm, you know, a reasonably intelligent person, but I cannot, you know. I'm, 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 at, I'm right at your level. I get it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so what advice would you have for aspiring authors? I mean, I think the obvious is always just to read a lot and read widely. Um, working in publishing for all those years was was such a great education, not about the publishing industry necessarily, although that helped, but just like you can't read that many manuscripts and that many stories and that many books without, you know, figuring out what, you know, getting kind of an internal rhythm of a story and figuring out what works in a book and what works for you in a book. And then and then the other thing is just like I was saying, like don't not to be afraid of failure because when I think of like my early books that didn't work or didn't get published, I would not have written the next ones without the ones before them. So I, I truly don't think that anything is ever wasted. Like the amount of of false starts I've had over the years and, and books I've set aside. And it's like, sometimes you have to write them to get to the next thing you're going to write. And you learn something from each or you carry something forward. And, and so, you know, just sit down and write. And it, if that doesn't work, the next thing will. And just keep going. I totally agree. I feel like before I did this podcast and learned that like everybody else who wants <laughs> to be a writer had the same thing, like I just felt like such a failure. Yeah. You know, like because you don't realize. I mean, I guess if you realize, listen, to it's such an isolating. Yeah, it's such an yeah. isolating thing. So everyone's out there just just like tripping over themselves in their own, you know, at their own computers. But it's everyone is going through it. I've never met. I've I you know, after years of like being an author, working in publishing. I've never met a single author who doesn't have like a book in the drawer yeah. or one that didn't work or something that they got stuck on. It's just, it's, it's so universal. Yeah. You have to practice. It's like, yeah. yes, it's a muscle. It's just, it's just, it's like having, it's like making the first cake or something. <laughs> Usually the first cake. Well, we're back to cooking. Yeah. Back to cooking. <laughs> I mean, I just had lunch. I shouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. I think it would be a, a consolation. I wish I had known that way back when that like, Having something in the drawer doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you're a writer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, the amount of stuff. I mean, recently I was like trying to figure out a new book and I, I went back through old files just to like check out old ideas. And I, I found like, you know, 60 page beginnings of books that I don't even remember writing. And it's such a funny, like you just, it's over the years, you have so many ideas and you kind of like, you you stick with the ones of where the energy is at the moment. But yeah, sometimes it just takes kind of like, one in between to get to the next thing. Very true, but also good to hear. <laughs> okay, Jennifer, thank you so much. The Creature of Habit and the Unsinkable Greta James, which I truly loved. And this is my book of the month copy, by the way. I, I not it. only got it from you, but I picked it from my subscription. <laughs> That's so nice. I love book of the month. And I'm so glad you like the audio too. Mae Whitman did an amazing job. Really good um, job. Really yeah. good job. And thank you, just thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and you're doing so much good good for the publishing industry. And it's just, it's really exciting to be here. Oh, thank you. And for <laughs> anyone listening, if you want to hear more of us chatting, come to Pages. When are we doing that? May 10th or something? I think it's May 14th. May 14th. Uh, thank you. Don't go on May 10th, although you can. <laughs> May 14th in the morning, we'll be doing a story time with our two books. So that'll be really fun. Yeah, it's so like in, L- in uh, Manhattan Beach, California, Pages Bookstore. And yes, you can just show up. 
Yes. Yes, I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see you then. And thank you again for having me. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.